0: Magical knife where I choose the cat that deserves a
1: new life. Going to the ball.
0: Roll, please.
1: Hello and welcome to the Movie Robcast with me, your host Rob Daniel, editor of electric-shadows.com and I am, as always, thrilled to say that I'm joined by my learned co-host... Mr. Rob Wallace. And as always,
0: it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I am editor of All The Film Sites, www.ofallthefilmsites.com.
1: And if people wanted to see what your musings are on Twitter, where should they go? Uh, At Robert M. Wallace. And if you want to do the same for me, then I am at Rob underscore A underscore (laughs) Daniel. Underscore brevity. (laughs) Underscore (laughs) brevity. There is no going back from that. Not anymore. I'm locked into that for the rest of my life. Proof that I didn't understand social media when I joined Twitter. And you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Stitcher, Pocket Cast, at SoundCloud. There's a few other ones I hadn't heard of that I always mean to look up before I do this. Uh, So, yeah, and we changed over to the Movie Robcast, and that appears to have worked. It came through on my Apple Podcast app that it's now the Movie Robcast, so that's surprising that that worked. (laughs) Today, we are going to... Before before we say
0: what the film is, um, we've obviously just, of course, having done our research looked it up on google would you like me to read the top voted tags for this film yeah cringeworthy okay disturbing unsettling awkward boring creepy bad acting
1: terrifying gross confusing well that could i'm actually trying to think of something amusing to say but that could only really be one film right now could it be cats so today we are going to just do a quick review of cats The film that came out, and it turns out it had used all of its nine lives in the production process and was put down as soon as it came out, really.
0: Well, it looks like it's on track. Not that this is a reflection of a film's quality, but it does look like it's on track to lose
1: a $100 million. Yes, I did see that as well and thought, you know what? I am not surprised but they made £10 from me at the Odeon Kettering when I went to see it on Christmas Eve. And the only reason I went to see it is because the reviews were so toxic that I thought, I need to see this film now. This has become part of the cultural conversation. This is getting as much chat about it as... The Rise of Skywalker. It's Oscar winner, Tom Hooper, directing an all-star musical... You know, uh, sorry,
0: Oscar winner for The King's Speech, Tom Hooper, directing an all-star musical having previously done Les Mis. Yeah, and it got, like, bad reviews. Like, every few years you'll get a film that is... Something that, I don't know, collateral beauty. Films that just get reviews that are so...
1: Professional film critics who are just astonished with how bad a film is. And I think there's also, with Cats, there's an element of... Well, I wouldn't say schadenfreude. I'd actually say glee. I think that a lot of people were kind of waiting for Tom Hooper to deliver a dead cat. And yeah, because... It's Schrodinger's Cats. It is Schrodinger's Cats. It's like and this one, when they opened up the box, it was fucking dead. A lot of the reviews, they do have a certain glee in just how much they are eviscerating this film. To the point where I thought hmm, am I going to think it's all right when I actually watch it? Because you read Bradshaw's review in The Guardian and he's tried to do a poem. Have you read it? The T.S. Eliot yeah,
0: he pastiche
1: he's done? It doesn't work, does it?
0: No, because it's not a T.S.
1: Eliot pastiche. It's just a poem with, I think, sprung rhyme. So, like, beyond that, it's... See, I'm not particularly well versed with T.S. Eliot, so I just assumed that he had rewritten a T.S. Eliot as a film review. Well, no, I've, I've literally got a, uh, a copy of, uh, which I came across
0: a couple of days ago while cleaning up my flat, a copy of Old Possum, Possum's books of Book of Practical Cats, which of course, the Original musical was based on, and I, I gave it a skim, and it's like you know this, this works. It's insightful. You know, tsa It was obviously loved his cats, and, and you know, kind of had a different insight into what he thought the different personalities were, and set it in this fantastical world. You know, this is a slim book by a genius, and I think the musical you could argue is a full-length musical by a very talented musician, librettist, and uh, and and Cats. The film is a what felt like a very long film by. Somebody
1: whose style suggests art house. You have previously called him Tom Hooper. A journeyman auteur. Which I think is the perfect way to describe him. He is an auteur, but you watch his films and it's like, there is a... There's a personal vision here, but
0: it is. I can't even guess, like, you'd know it was a Tom Hooper film, but you'd also be questioning every artistic decision he's making. It's like, I don't understand why why you've done it like this.
1: And I'll also take slight issue with the fact that you called Andrew Lloyd Webber a talented librettist because uh, <laughs> yeah, I just don't think his musicals are good. I just don't think they stand up compared to the classic musicals. I don't think that there's any real love of language in the wordplay in his lyrics. Not when you compare them to things like the songs from My Fair Lady, uh, or even like, even The Sound of the Music. I mean, it's like Mary Poppins, definitely. Ooh, <laughs> no, I'm just These are just not good songs. Jesus Christ Superstar, I think, is probably the one song that... Because it just has a really, really catchy chorus. But Cats, I do not know anything about it. It was when the trailer came out that I discovered that Memories was from Cats, not from... I don't know, I always thought it might be from Miss Saigon or something, which I don't even think is Andrew Lloyd Webber, is it? But yeah, so, so I saw Cats on Christmas Eve at quarter to three in the afternoon. I thought I would be the only person there. It was in a small screen, it has to be said, but I was very surprised there were about 25 people in there. A few families. Someone had brought in a baby, which normally would wind me up a treat, but actually the baby was pretty well behaved and just wasn't interested in the film enough for that to really bother me. And it happened. Cats happened in front of my eyes. And so, or you beat the number of people in
0: the cinema in my in my versus my my, my screening by twenty three people. I was completely alone in there, and this was I think three o'clock on a on a weekday. I think it might it was a couple of days ago now. The, the the purgatory between uh, between <laughs> Christmas and New Year. Yes. And I was in there, I was thinking, am I going to be here completely by, it? seeing cats completely by myself? Roughly two minutes, he missed the trailer, he timed it well, roughly uh, uh, two minutes before the film starts, somebody, this guy walked in, took a seat. In all of it, like he checked his phone, but he checked his phone once, and it was very brief. He was actually very considerate with it. In at a point where it's like, I probably wouldn't have said anything anyway. Like, when he sat down the first time, I was, I actually like, you know, the, it was just, you know, they kind of showed the, the, the card, the, uh, the BBFC rating. Almost wanted to sort of go, Hey, buddy, how you doing?
1: <laughs> like, it's me and you. We're here for this. Could you not sit directly in front of me? I presume we didn't do that. <laughs> no, no, he, he sat just
0: across the, just across the aisle from me. Um, and then he left five minutes before the end.
1: You should have stopped him. You should have said, no, we're in this together now. It's clearly wrapping up. So, no, you can't leave. That's mad that he left five minutes before the end because it's one of those films that when you watched it, it's like, okay, we're clearly at the end now. So the marathon is almost over. I can't imagine getting up. In all fairness, the final five minutes of that film,
0: it felt like Lord of the Rings because there are so many like micro endings or like a character (laughs) leaves and you're like, well, that could be the ending. It doesn't make any less sense than ending any. And then another character leaves and you're like, They're all just going to
1: leave almost individually. (laughs) Well, it's one of those things where watching cats is like climbing, not a mountain, because a mountain has a certain sense of grandeur to it. It's like climbing just a big hill in the rain. And you think, "Okay, well, I'm almost there. And then you realise that the summit is a false summit. And you go, oh, God, there's a bit more to go. Here it is. Here's the summit. False summit false summit. It's like, please, please, where is the fucking top of this really, really dreary hill that I'm climbing?
0: I, and I I say this as somebody who's actually was a bit of a defender of Is* when it came out and didn't hate King's Speech, I think I liked it more than you did. (laughs) That that being said, I have very few good things to say about the film. I just think I liked it more than you did. No, you have
1: nailed your, we are going to get a poster quote from this podcast. You are going to give us a line that I can send to the publicity department at Universal and say, just listen to this bit of the podcast, and you might want to put that on a poster, because here is quite a good thing about your film that's been said. Try to redact the fucks, and the, uh... Yes, <laughs> just don't pay attention to anything that I'm saying. So the story of Cats. So Francesca Haywood, who the uh, the new talent. Which is a ballet dancer at the Royal Ballet Company, so she really does know her stuff. And she plays Victoria, is it? It is Victoria. So she's a cat that's basically been thrown away by her owner, and she meets the Jellicle Cats. And the word "jellical" just was really annoying me by... It. Is that from the T.S. Eliot? Yeah. Right, okay.
0: I don't think he's any clearer about what it means in the... But again, that is like a very slim volume versus a two-hour fucking film where people keep saying the word "jellical" and then just throwing adjectives at it as though that was it's like... It basically, what it means is, is
1: like mystery. And it's like, God! <laughs> this just is an insight into my mind, but Jellico just always reminded me of Testicle when they were saying lo- it. And there were lots of things in this film that it has such a weird sexual atmosphere to it, particularly for a youth certificate film. And Jellicle, which isn't even a play on anything, so if it comes from like a bit of a nonsense poem, that's fine. But when you're trying... To frame a whole narrative around it. It doesn't work. It's like, so the Jellicle Cats are kind of the cool cats and they hang out in London. Like central, recognisable, but like fantastical, late night,
0: early 20th century... Yeah, it looks like about 1920s. Yeah, it looks like 1920s. It pretty much opens around Piccadilly Circus. Mm -hmm. And it's all recognisable. Like, it ends in Trafalgar Square. Yes, it does, yeah. So they basically work their way down through the night. I work just off Trafalgar Square. It ends around nelson's column
1: i can well, see it, nelson's column from my office well it ends at nelson's uh, column, at nelson's column because of, yeah because of all the big cats that are around there as well so you've got the lions there but the- and there's a little bit like, is this film following me? <laughs> like, you know, this film is like... <laughs> well, yeah, I got the impression that the film would haunt me, and it has. Yeah, and basically, Victoria is told about the... I can't remember the name of it, but the... There's a thing that happens every year where... The Jellicle Ball, where they choose which cat <laughs> gets to go to the heavyside Layer. Come on, Rob. Yeah, indeed. Which I know all sounds like weird passwords for an orgy, but... <laughs> so they're going to go to the Jellicle Ball. Old Deuteronomy, played by Judy Dench, is the one that chooses which cat ascends and goes to a higher plane of being is what I took from it, which then just reminded me of Logan's Run. It's like, are are they killing these cats by saying they're going to ascend on the carousel and actually they're just getting vaporised? This is all a bit Logan's Run, this is. So I'm not entirely sure what that ending was, to be honest. But anyway, but all of the cats want to do this. They all want to be the one that's chosen. Then basically the film just becomes a rinse and repeat of all these cats introducing themselves. And you have... James Corden. Let's do them, the, the dignity of, of, of giving them their
0: full. It's James Corden as... Oh, you know the names better me. Go on, well, you can know do uh, Jones. Yeah. The fat cat who looks like he's wearing spats and eats out all the bins and like all the fancy bins and has a big song like about eating out all the fancy bins. Eating out of all the fancy bins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think you were right the first time. Uh, you've got Jennifer Hudson. It's Yes. yes. Who's basically fallen on hard times, used to be on like a, a glamorous cat. And she sings memories. And she gives sings memories, giving a full, snotty, kind of, um, Anne Hathaway in Lame Is, I wanna win an Oscar for this performance.
1: Like, she gives them, by far, by many degrees, the most emotional performance in the film. She does, and it's one of those things where I'm saying, like, I'm sorry guys, you need to put a moratorium on snot in crying scenes in films because it only distracts it never makes it more real it never makes it more emotional it only distracts and sometimes turns your stomach and it's like this is the one song that everyone knows in this film all anyone is doing is looking at her top lip thinking she's gonna have to lick that at some point please could you just get her a hanky and there was a family behind me and one of the kids went mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like yes it's completely distracting that there is so much snot. There doesn't need to be snot. Stop putting fucking snot in crying scenes in films. It always ruins it. I'm Jesus. <laughs> and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm literally working off the Google page here, but you've got Idris Elba as Macavity. So Macavity, he's the bad cat. He's the... One bit of conflict. But he's Moriarty.
0: Uh, and he literally... <laughs> yeah. when, he, when, when he first appears, there's literally a sign behind him saying, the, like, Moriarty. Yes. And at one a... point,
1: he does get described as a Napoleon of Crime. Yes, actually. he does. That's right, yeah. So they, it would like him to be Moriarty. is just the baddie. But he seems to... Well, he can make cats disappear, and he transports them to a barge on the Thames. I'm 90... Which I, I'm pretty sure isn't
0: in the musical, because you notice, whenever they go to the barge, it just feels like everyone's doing bad improv. They <laughs> that like,
1: like that, the whole way. I didn't yeah, actually notice but any, they, but they suddenly, any different like, quality.
0: It feels like every time, for example, I think Rebel Wilson, who plays Jenny Any Darts, gets a line, it's just her making a cat pun. It just feels like it, they've just said, okay, Rebel,
1: you come from a comedy background, we need you to fill now. Well, that's the thing, is that, again, that didn't seem like anything different from what had gone before, because the film opens with a pat... sorry... With a cat pun, when someone says to Victoria...
0: Cat got your tongue? Okay, That doesn't work. Maybe it's just delivery then, but I still feel that seemed to have weirdly more dignity. It's like, somebody's making a bad cat pun, but it's, it's, a, it's like a traditionally bad cat pun. It's a very obvious cat pun, whereas with all of Rebel Wilson's cat puns, it's like...
1: I just... You were perturbed. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs>
0: Every time that we're back to that fucking barge with Ray Winston... Yeah, so Ray Winston's like Macavity's henchman, isn't he? Rowl Tiger, I think he's what he's oh called. God. So I'm assuming he's in the play somewhere. I'm assuming he may or may not be on the Magical Barge. <laughs> Ray Winston
1: is like... Well, he's not really in it that much, is he? It's, it's one of those things where I thought, are you doing it as a favour? Do you really like the musical? You always wanted to be in it. Did you just need a paycheck? He's in it for basically... A scene. A, a, a two, I think it's two scenes. Well, it's two, but the first scene is in. He gets much more screen time, and a, and in the second scene, I kept looking to see if he was actually there. So, oh, yes, he does seem to be there. But that scene doesn't really kind of care about him at that point. You, you were talking about the teleportation. Cats in this film can kind of teleport during musical
0: numbers, like the whole thing with Skimble Shanks, your favourite, hmm. the one you say who uh, I'll get onto that. Skimble yes. who he looks like a fetish wear train operator.
1: Yes, indeed. I've got a whole thing about Skimble Shanks we'll get um, to.
0: But when he's doing his song, and they suddenly teleport to be at, like, the train yard at, like, Waterloo, and they do just teleport mid-song. They, like,
1: step out of, like, the ballroom, wherever it is, and they're suddenly there, and they're doing it along the rails. I think I might have given the film a bit of a pass at that point, because I thought that that was just one of those things that, in a musical number, sometimes you do just go to different locations, even though it breaks the logic of the space, because that's what you get in musical numbers. All the film had going for it was the logic of the space. And also the logic of what they're doing with cats, but which it completely fails on both of those. But yeah, so anyway, so uh, McCavity, even though he has magical powers, wants to be the cat that ascends, that is chosen by old Deuteronomy. Um, that's it. The criteria also for being chosen by old Deuteronomy aren't entirely clear. Well, never clear, because you've got... Ian McKellen, who plays... What does he play? Gus the theatre cat. Gus the theatre cat. Mm, Yep. And he is old. He gives a very, very emotional song about why he should be chosen. Spoiler. He isn't chosen. And it's like, I don't know why the person that you did choose, or the cat that you did choose, got it over Gus, to be honest. So, none of this makes any sense. I got that Gus doesn't really need it. Gus. But what is it? What are they... What is... What happens when you ascend? Do you get turned into a human or something? Because I'm thinking... What is the next level of being here? Is this some kind of Buddhist trajectory? What is it, do you think? I... (sighs) Well, I'm glad that it wasn't just me that walked out scratching my head, because I thought, are we supposed to know what happens when they ascend? Because I'm just getting a Logan's Run vibe right now, that they're basically trying to clear the cat population but send them off smiling. It's also like, the axes are committed to the cat
0: personas to different degrees, like... Ian McKellen's pretty committed. He does some weird, like, yowling.
1: And he does... And I think and he like, cleans himself beautiful. with his paws, or his, or his hands, of course, because, because there are no paws in this. And he also laps milk from a bowl in a closet. Right. And it's like, I'm sorry, but there is a lot to unpack in this moment, Sir Ian. What are you doing in this film? Jesus. i say Jason
0: Derulo is in it as Rum Tum Tugger. And who is he? I don't know. Is he? He must be. I, he I is think a, it's a singer,
1: isn't he? He's an
0: American singer-songwriter. Yes, indeed. I thought he was. I didn't think he was an actor. And he can clearly sing, and he can clearly dance, and he you plays. He belts out tunes. And, and the idea yep. he's he's playing quite like he's playing like a contrary cat, a cat who like is never consistent from one moment to the next about what he wants and what he's going to do. I think he's supposed to be a hep cat. And then there's Mister Mustophiles. Again, it just brings to mind the Team America. I can't think of Mister Mistopheles without, without that. Just insert the clip from Team America. I don't
1: know if you remember that bit. I'll have to look it up. A and cast I'm not of in. Cats. I was 19 years old when the musical Cats came to our town. I couldn't wait to see it. After the show, I was asked if I wanted to go meet some of the performers backstage. Man, I was thrilled. But when I got back there, they were drunk and out of control. Rumpus Cat and McCavity kept feeling up my leg. I tried to leave, but Rumpelteaser held me down and... I was raped by Mr. Mistopheles.
0: Oh, but, but, but who plays Miss Miss Officer? Yeah. L- Laurie Davidson, who's not done that much.
1: I mean, he looks very recognisable. He looks very young and fresh-faced. I definitely watched the original release version because, of course, Universal have released a patch version. Which is a totally normal thing to do. <laughs> that has improved special effects in it because they basically said to Tom or he begged them... Um, Let's just go back and try and do something with these special effects because they have some issues around them. I saw a version that definitely had a few shots that were like, oh, okay, where heads were kind of sliding about on shoulders in a unnatural a way and also faces were sliding around on the head in a unnatural a way particularly when a cat actor, a cactor, (laughs) anyway, would come up into the foreground of the frame and the face just kind of wobbled slightly as it did it. And it was like, oh, that's really... I didn't notice that, which suggests I may have seen the fixed version or and or I am less attentive than you, so... I think you would have seen the fixed version because the patch went out, I think, before Christmas and you saw it at the O2 Cineworld, which is a bit of a flagship cinema, so they probably were sent the fixed version... But you said that the version you saw, they all still have human hands, yeah. which I don't think they're going to change. And that whole thing about Judy Dench's hands being visible in one shot, it's like, well, that's just a non-story from someone who clearly was looking at clickbait more than actually what the facts were, and we you hadn't seen the film. Because everyone has human hands in this film. Other people wear rings. It's not just Judy Dench. And they clearly just couldn't turn them into paws or something like that. But you had a really elegant solution for this which was, why don't they just wear gloves? Yeah. Why didn't they just wear gloves? It would have been so less distracting. They wear shoes at one point when they're breakdancing. Put them all in gloves because when you see their human hands, it does look fucking rubbish. It does
0: just feel like a drama workshop that somewhere along the line got granted a massive budget and then they had to basically take away this raw footage and then try and turn it into... a releasable film
1: film. and it is and it isn't a completed film i don't think i think that they've released a uncompleted film it's like my god so you've actually done that I, i i just can't believe that they thought it's fine they've got human hands because it's so distracting i think what they actually did was thought we just can't solve this before april so therefore it just has to go out like this because we're not going to meet the Christmas Day, and we won't even meet a New Year's Day. It just has to go out like this because this is just too hard for us to do. This is a film that reunites Ian McKellen and Judy Dench.
0: They were in a pretty famous production of Macbeth together back in, I think it was like 1979.
1: It's quite a seminal production. Yeah, like a pretty it, seminal yeah. production.
0: And I think they're in all this true like Kenneth Branagh Shakespeare film. But I don't know if they've, they've, they they show any scenes in that. Right. But so this this could potentially be like the first time they've they've actually shared the screen together since well, in in forty years. And it could be the last time. And as could, well. And it could be the last time. And I think they maybe get one look. And, yeah. and, and in fact, there's there's in fact there's a little bit where like, you know, old Jude may saying, oh we're gonna have all Gus, he's gonna come out and do a song. We'll just sit there looking self-satisfied, he will come out and do this bit. And it's like just wasted Pe- opportunity. Yeah, like Judy Dench, I think she was meant to be in the first production, the very first stage production of Cats, and had to drop out. Yeah. And I'm sure she's got her reasons for doing this. But like she's she's losing her sight. Ian McKellen of, is of a certain age. Like Judy Dench losing her sight. Yeah, she's uh, uh, she's uh, she's quite severely
1: visually impaired. Yeah, visually impaired. Well, at least it means she doesn't have to see cats. <laughs> <laughs> that is a shame that she is visually impaired and is wasting her time. On this nonsense. You're on, right. On, on what? An old possum's book of the Kama Sutra. <laughs> well, the thing there is that you're absolutely right. She was supposed to be in the original version of Cats. And as in the stage show, that I think it was 79, was it? Or 80? I think she broke her ankle about three weeks before it was due to launch. So she was replaced at the very last minute by Elaine Page, who then came in and made the role her own. And she learned it all in three weeks. Apparently, you know, absolutely amazing. They thought they had a real dud on their hands. Andrew Lloyd Webber and his partner, who I can't remember who it was, the Great Theatre, Tim Rice. No, the guy Macintosh, um, the guy who oh, Cameron Macintosh, yes, who did
0: all that. Oh no, sorry, who did? Um, sorry, who's like who ran who has, has the theatre chain and does a lot of yeah, it's, um, Land of lot who did all that and we have yeah, with Cameron Macintosh. Uh,
1: yeah, so um, so they wanted to pull it, but there was I think there was someone above them who kind of said no, no, they all day to rehearse on the night that it launches, so therefore it's all going to be fine. And it was, it launched and it was a press show the first night. And they went mad for it and it was a phenomenon and it made four billion or it has made four billion in terms of all the ticket sales and the t shirts and the soundtracks and all the merchandise, all blah, blah, blah. that. So you can see why Universal thought, yep, we want a bit of that. And this guy turned the Lame Miz musical into a big hit. It was a hit around the world. So therefore, yeah, let's, let's just get him again. But yeah, Lame
0: Miz, is, Cats isn't Lame Miz.
1: Lame Miz, you know, has like a
0: historical sweep to it and these characters you know, the song just before the interval is you know one day more so it's got like these really human you know epic themes to it cats is you know the the, the joke from kimmy schmidt the, the idea that you know if you're an unemployed actor you can join the chorus the ensemble on cats and basically just slip in as long as you're wearing costume and nobody's going to fucking notice
1: because nobody has any idea what's going on and you just make up the words as you, as you go along because there's no story thing There is that I don't entirely agree with Lay Miz because I don't think that there was a necessarily a huge audience for Lay Miz, and it certainly I don't think has particularly well, it doesn't have a song as recognisable as Memories. But the thing is, though, Lay Miz does have a good story. Well, it has a story, and oh no, it does have that one that Anne Hathaway sings as Susan Boyle sang. I entry. Dreamed a Dream in That's the time it, yes. Went by. So it does have that big song. So, yes, yes, I so can sell it on that. But the thing it's is, load of great songs. Oh. Yep, indeed. But I still think it wasn't a guarantee. But the thing with Cats is, and the reason why Cats, I think, fails is because there's not one good song in Cats. Yeah, Memories is the one that really stood out because it's it's the one that's quite good. The rest of them are just rubbish and they're not catchy and they don't have interesting or funny lyrics. There's nothing like, about it. I, it works. I, I, like... I enjoyed some of them. I enjoyed some of them at the time.
0: I can't remember any of them now. No. like That's the thing, and that's why I think I maybe liked it more than you did. Apart from stuff like in the scene where you first see the Rebel Wilson character, and it's got the weird little cockroaches and the mice, and the fact that the scaling in the film makes no sense, because they can't scale it when it's real people and they're trying to... It looks like a cheap kids animation there where nothing has to really match up and it's about like a kids playset, and it doesn't matter that nothing actually makes sense in terms of scale because nobody's ever going to see it and it'll make a couple of quid. It looks like a CBeebies thing that's right. It's like like really off-putting but like apart from that I quite like the Skimbleshanks Railway Cat song I thought there were a couple of good little bits in it. I thought and the one with like mungo jerry who like and the the like the anarchist cat and whatever the her partner is called yeah. like i actually like some of the songs in it is like this is fine this is diverting if i was a kid i might really be getting something out of this um you know the production values sorry when they're not like trying to cross a hurdle that is just unclearable are quite good
1: yeah it continues because i am genuinely not in like a funny way i am but, what, genuinely you're trying interested. you're trying to pull out the uh, trying to pull
0: out the takeaway quote um, no, no, I'm just really... Yeah, indeed I am. That's right, yes. yeah. Come on, I need I need a um,
1: a this? scintillating musical journey for all If I was, a, if I was a
0: child, I reckon I might quite have enjoyed
1: it. No, that's not good enough. <laughs> um, so was there anything else you thought that was good about this film? I mean, I have to admit, some of the backdrops I thought were pretty good. I did yeah, like I the know. old London stuff that they had. And you're right, the railway scene did have a couple of good backdrops in there. But it's like, it's a musical. It's supposed to be a spectacle. You're not reinventing the wheel with any of this. And actually... None of the choreography is good in this film, and uh, nothing worked. There was a does, There was a woman Does, does the 1920s me. London what lame is did for Revolutionary France? Hmm. There was a woman behind me who at the end said the best thing about the musical on stage was the dancing and she was really disappointed that the film didn't really have that much dancing in it and it it didn't seem to follow the choreography as far as she was concerned. Thing. I of-
0: think I think there's a, I think there's a good bit of dancing there but I think it's utterly irrelevant because you're not watching it doesn't it doesn't nothing has any weight to it because these aren't ostensibly humans these are cats. And because they've been given digital fur, whatever it is they're calling it, digital fur technology. It doesn't feel real. Because there's so much CGI going on anyway, you don't get the weight and because these are professional, like these dancers who are incredibly balletic and move in a way that most humans can't, your eye just immediately looks at and looks at the CGI on top of it just goes, It's not real. Like you like your your brain just doesn't process it as having any weight behind it, any therefore it's I think it's just less impressive because the trick's been laid on top of it. So you lose sight of what's actually true underneath that. Like, you know, um, Francesca Hayward does all her own dancing, and she's clearly enormously talented, but you wouldn't know it watching the film because you don't know what's real.
1: Well, there's one... I kind of agree with that. There's one point where she does do some ballet, and you'd get a tiny glimpse of what might have been if the film had just really got a decent choreographer in, and it also just let her have a number to herself... And just let her do her ballet because it's very brief. Also, I think it's around the Taylor Swift thing because, of course, I, Taylor Swift I is in this. Film. with I think it's actually called with a catnip
0: or whatever. Also, it's the fact that you know they do the whole thing. Cats have three names. Mm. Victoria never gets another name.
1: It's one of those things where it was just throwing out so many things and ideas, and just I just thought you're not going to deliver on any of this. And to be honest, it's like yeah, that was the least of his problems. I thought, but Shanks when he turns up, as you said. So he's wearing dungarees without a shirt, even though he does have the digital fur. he's wearing a peak cap, and his name sounds like a kinky sex act. and it's like and it was at that point that I thought, really, the uncanny value of this film is that it's a used film, and I keep thinking that all of them are going to have an orgy at any moment. it's such a pop. weird, let's be honest, Rob. They all sound like perverts. Well you're right. Uh, well, Rum Tum Tugger sounds <laughs> I mean that sounds like something that your mum would be disappointed in with you when you were a teen. But swimble Shanks there was something about that when he came on and just well, I just started laughing thinking, I'm sorry but I just think they're all going to start having sex with each other because some of them have boobs. Yeah. Rebel Wilson and James Corden. <coughs> sorry. James Corden, sorry, yeah, he sorry. Does. <laughs> that, that was cruel. I retract that. Taylor Swift was the other one because um, Francesca Hayward doesn't really and it's not a case of they just put fur over the real boobs because Taylor Swift seems to have had some kind of cat boob job and I just wish I could see the production meetings where you were making all these decisions. I mean, that is a make it of I would it's watch. Also, yeah, I'd also <laughs> love it because I'm pretty
0: sure James Corden is just doing a Simon Russell Beale impersonation and with him having previously
1: acted with Simon Russell Beale in Into the Woods. Simon Russell Beale plays his dad. I did think, my God you know your film's in trouble when James Corden is the best thing in this film. Here we go! And I have to admit, there were a couple of times when he made me laugh, and he just seemed to get the spirit of the original, of what this was trying to do. He just seemed to understand it more than other people in the film. Yeah, I thought, all right, because I'm not really a fan of James Corden, but here I think he's actually making this a bit more watchable than it otherwise is. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and and the bit with the cockroaches, which also people have uh, compared to David Cronenberg. And the film does look like the island of Dr. Moreau. It looks like some weird scientist experiment with humans and cats. So they eat the cockroaches and that's fine. Even though the cockroaches have human faces. But you can't eat the mice because they're also mammals and that would presumably upset the kids. And they're kids. The mice are kids. And the mice do seem to be kids, don't they? It's like, oh, everything. Again, I'd love to see the production meetings where they were saying, yep. And also you're thinking, well... Presumably they would have had to have shot a test reel to prove all these yeah, for, visuals work. The concept, yeah. and yeah, then but you, you know they how watched... they
0: caveated that. Either the test reel was really good because they only had to do a short scene and they did something different. Maybe they
1: did a lot more practical stuff. Or they went, don't worry, it's Tom Hooper, we'll get it fixed. Who knows how much stuff is real that you read on the internet, but apparently he is a director that is very is just a nightmare for post-production staff. Like, shooting live for Les Mis, when they were singing, apparently just made it an absolute nightmare in the edit, and didn't add anything to the film either. And here, I had read that they didn't do any mo-capping on this, but I've got a friend who said, no, he has seen some behind-the-scenes footage, and they were wearing the grey suits with the dots on, and stuff like that. Um, it does seem as if they did do some mo-capping, but apparently it still was a complete nightmare, and the original trailer that was released, that everyone said, oh my god, that looks awful. The finished film does look better than that trailer, but I just kept watching it going, my God, this looks like it hasn't been completed. It doesn't look like a <laughs> So There's no
0: wireframes. No,
1: there's no wireframes. It just looks like you haven't had enough time just to finish off all the little touches, like the head sitting firmly on the shoulders and the face is not sliding around. It just seems like you haven't quite had time to do that. So therefore, you just released it. And every now and again, something happens. It's like, oh, God. Uh, it's, but then again they got my tenor because of all the bad publicity around it so it would be interesting to see well one how much curiosity money is being made but we know what curiosity did to the cat don't we and satisfaction yeah, won't think... be bringing this one back
0: and it's also it would film... be
1: interesting to see if it gets a cult following if it becomes something like Showgirls maybe
0: but I think this is a oh, film I that most people will. are going
1: to this, this is something that people are going to find on Sky next Christmas this would be like a Christmas or Boxing Day film Sky I don't think it will be. No, 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 because if you look at the Christmas and Boxing Day films that were on Sky this year, it was Mary Poppins Returns, which was very, very well reviewed, and it was Avengers Endgame. You can't put the most notorious flop of recent years as your big Christmas Day or Boxing Day film. It will be an autumn film, I think. They'll just put it on. Yeah, you think? I don't think they're going to give it any fanfare, because they can't, because it's been absolutely massacred. But I think it will get a camp following. Do it like a double, yeah, double bill showgirls, Showgirls, they get performers, much like Rocky Horror, to perform in front of it and everyone dresses up like cats. And I can just see this. Its audience does seem to be people who have a certain irony around gender roles and things like that, who I think will be able to do something quite interesting with it and certainly elevate it in terms of its humour. I would go and see that. I would go and see a showgirl style camp review of cats.
0: Because would you dress up for it? Is the question. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> no. come on, let's be honest now. I know you've been looking for a reason to break up this dungaree. Yeah, did and the
1: peaked red cap. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that was Cats, a film that I saw, even though I had no intention of seeing it until it came. Until everyone said, "My God, what is this?" Well, I think there's one thing we can say. Go on. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> yeah. What else can you say? Cats Entertainment? Please. <laughs> that is certainly a thing you could say. Um, <laughs> Rob is within the whiskers of punching me right now. <laughs> yes. Eight out of ten cats don't prefer this film. Actually, it was nice going back because I saw it at Christmas and I was went up to see Mum for Christmas. It was nice going to mum's house because she's got a couple of cats and seeing some lovely real cats and I said yeah on behalf of the human race I can only apologise for what it's done to you this afternoon <laughs> nobody's come out well out of this that I just has to be the end of Tom Hooper's career as a big budget film director I can't see him being given a big budget unless he sources it from around the world in the form of tax write-offs and stuff you think It'd be interesting to see what he comes back with after this Last thing, like you know obviously yeah he won the Oscar of the King's speech and has made a
0: lot of money he hasn't done a film since is I don't think has he. He did. He did um, *The Danish Girl*. Oh, the Danish Girl. God. Yeah, The Danish Girl, which took the charm off slightly off him and Eddie Redmayne. I'm a one-watch Tom Hooper, and like you know, I, pro- I if I watch Cats again, who knows? It might completely take any charm off it. First time I see Tom Hooper films, I see I tend to like be like these are that's fine. I tend to give it a star more than everyone else gives it, <laughs> and then I, then when rewatching, I suddenly go, Oh no. This isn't very good. I don't know. I opened my my review of Les Mis with something like, of, "I'm not quite sure what to make of it." And I think because it has the, the the veneer of prestige, my brain just tells me it's better than it is. And because I don't think it's very good, I because maybe maybe I think it's okay, and then I'll then my brain will say, "Okay, that must mean it's good." I've never I've never I think I've gone any further than saying one is good.
1: Uh, yeah, I've never fallen for the emperor's new clothes of Tom Hooper. I have to admit, the King's Speech. It's fine. It's an ITV, Bank Holiday TV film that got very lucky, and I don't, I just don't think that it won Best Picture, and I don't think that Tom Hooper won Best Director. I think Harvey Weinstein won every award that film got, because he did his dark magic that he always does, and, uh, and basically Shakespeare loved it. Because that film shouldn't have got Best Director for, for that film. It's like, oh, anyway. So, um, What's the really famous quote for Heaven's Gate? There's there's a critic quote. It seems as if Michael Cimino sold his soul to the devil for Deer Hunter and the devil came to collect for Heaven's That's Gate. Great. It seems as if he sold his soul, Tom Hooper sold his soul for the King's Speech and the devil was a bit late but has come to collect on cats. But the, yeah, the difference being that, you know, everyone, you know, looking back, Heaven's Gate, it's, you know, pretty critically well regarded. That's the other thing, yeah, is a, is a Heaven's Gate is actually a very good film. It's just that it was just grand folly to release a four-hour movie and then to cut it down into something that made no sense, but uh, but well, yes. I've got, I've got the Arrow release of Waterworld just behind me there. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I don't think the Cats will be having any kind of reappraisal. Anyway, so we've been talking way too long about Cats. Any final thoughts? Meow. Yes. Should we pause this for now? Meow. <laughs> But let's do a (laughs) wrap-up. I've actually forgotten how to end an episode. So thanks for this, and if you liked what you heard or want to make any kind of comments, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll talk to you next time.
0: Now.